Um, we have been talking on end times for a while, but we've been looking at the rapture of the church. And that's a wonderful um, doctrine, a wonderful revelation for us to have. Thank God for the rapture of the church. Um, but we looked at and looked at the rapture as part of the mystery. It is a mystery. Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. And the mystery was talking about things that God had kept secret from before the world began. That was the church age. The rapture is part of the church. And so, yeah, yeah the, the rapture is like a, 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 a secret mission that happens at the end of the church age. And it's, it's going to be some experience. Praise God, all believers will be a part of it. Amen. Um, but you know what, praise God, there's going to be a generation that's going to be alive at that time. But all believers will be a part of the, of the rapture, as we looked at last week. Um, we said that one of the hiccups people have when they talk about the rapture is to say the word rapture is not in the Bible. It, it, the, the Greek word is harpazo, and then in the Latin, that's where they got the word rapture from. So the, the Greek word is harpazo. Okay, the event is, and so we looked at that clearly um, last week, and we've seen that Jesus also said in John chapter 14, Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place for us, and that if he would go and prepare a place for us, he's going to come and get us, amen, and he's going to take us to be with him. And so he has, has left, he has he is gone to prepare a place for us, and the event where we are gathered to him is the rapture of the church. Um, and we looked last week, we looked over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let me just read this out just again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. We said there, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those believers who have died, that you sorrow not as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them... This is all of the believers who died, amen. Them also which sleep, and, and Jesus will God bring with him. So Jesus is coming with all of the believers when he comes at the rapture, all of those believers that have passed before us. And it says here, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them. We won't go before them which are, have passed, who are dead in Christ. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with a trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. So Jesus is coming with their spirit and soul, and then their body is rising up. And praise God, and then we who are alive and remain, we're all going to get glorified bodies at that moment in time. And, you know, we're going to be spirit, soul, and body completely saved. Praise God. Completely, totally saved. And then you have, um, you know, the, the dead in Christ, their spirit and soul that's coming back with Jesus, their body rises up, and they're united. Praise God. Because we are complete as spirit, soul, and body. And that's the way God designed us, that we would be spirit, soul, and body. And that's complete redemption whenever you have that glorified body. Praise God. And you know, when you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, Romans chapter 8 lets us know that one day you will be glorified. Once you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you can't avoid that. That is your future. Amen. You will be glorified. You will have a glorified body one day. Praise the Lord. And then it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That is the fulfillment of John chapter 14. Amen. Where Jesus said he would come and receive us again, or receive us unto himself. Then I look in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians last week, and we see that chapter 5 is showing a difference between believers and unbelievers, between day and night. Okay, between those who are off the light and those who are off the darkness. And we're not off the darkness, okay? So as believers, we're not off the darkness, and the darkness is appointed unto wrath. Praise God, Jesus took our wrath, and we have received the payment. Amen. Amen. We've received the payment. The payment has been made for everybody, but if people don't receive the payment, then they, are, they will end up facing the judgment of God, the wrath of God. <laughs> Many people don't want to talk about the wrath of God in our generation, but you can't avoid it. It's part of the Word of God. But the, the good news is, is Jesus took all of our judgment, every part of it. Once you're a believer, you will never face the wrath of God, ever. Hallelujah. Never will you ever face the wrath of God. Why? Because Jesus took it for us. Now look at 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8 for a moment. It says, But let us here off the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Now I talked about this last week, that this protects your heart and protects your mind. Okay? And just take note of this because I'm just, I'm just passing on this here. I'm going to lead this into what we're going to look at this evening. But you know what? If you don't have your heart protected in God and you don't have your mind protected in God, you can be shaken. People can preach things here that shake you, your faith. You understand? They can come with things that can upset you and, you know, like pull the rug out from under you. Not the foundation of your salvation, but just it can, it can leave you unsure. And where you once were solid, you, you feel shaken. And as a believer, we don't need to be shaken. We have a breastplate that protects all of our vital organs, our heart. You know what I mean? Spiritually on the inside, it keeps you protected inwardly. And then you have a helmet that protects your thinking. And if you don't have the helmet of salvation, let me tell you, the devil goes for your thoughts. Now, it comes for all of our thoughts, but the helmet protects you. Amen? Now, in verse 9, again, it says, For God has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation, and that means you're destined for salvation, spirit, soul, and well, body. Amen? That's your destiny once you're a believer. But if you don't know that we're not appointed unto wrath, sometimes people can preach and leave us unsure. Leave us fearing God, trembling. Now, we fear God as a healthy fear, which is worship. We worshipfully respect. Back God. We put God number one in our lives. That's the fear of the Lord. But there's the difference between the fear of the Lord and then being afraid of God. Look, He's our Abba Father. So we need to, we need to have that mindset as believers. Now, we're not on the wrong side of God. You're on the favored side of God. You, you, once you receive Jesus, because Jesus is favored, you're in Jesus, you are favored. Amen. You never have to think, as, you know, is God angry? You come before God like this. You don't have to go before God like that. Hallelujah. You go before God, God love you, praise you, worship you. You just come in, you start rejoicing. You come boldly to the throne of God. Spiritually, you're already seated in Christ Jesus. 
at the right hand of the Father. That, that position never changes. That's your standing with God. Then look in verse um, um, 23. See, this is full salvation. This is what we have. Look what it says. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole, your whole, your total spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Look at this here. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. Okay? Now, we can walk with God, and you can walk in that daily sanctification with God. As you walk in the Word, the Word of God washes you. And you know, we're sanctified by thy truth, thy word is truth. So there is a daily sanctification of, you know, in life, we're progressively changing outwardly, but your spirit is sanctified, your spirit is holy. So the word is changing us, amen, and we apply ourselves to the word for change. But one day, you are going to be transformed like that. Amen. When you get a glorified body, and it's not going to be something that you do, it's something that he does. And so you will be spirit, soul, and body sanctified. I mean, let me look at this verse here, Philippines 1 and verse 6. It says here, being confident of this very thing, look at that, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. He who began a good work. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's, the, he's the, the, the beginner and the finisher. What he starts, he finishes. Amen. So we have a completed work in our spirit, but one day we're going to be totally saved. See, that's what Paul was saying. Don't you be thinking you're destined for wrath. That's not your destiny. Your destiny is one day you're going to stand before Jesus in a glorified body. Amen. At the rapture of the church. Totally saved. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. That's your destiny. Um, just while we're here, let me, I do, did put it in the notes here. Let me just read that out in Romans 8. Look what it says here, verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did, did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he did also called. And them he called, he also did justify. And whom he justified, he also uh, glorified. Notice it's he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. Let me tell you, you will be in a glorified body one day. Amen. And that is something that we're all destined for who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God that is, that's what's ahead of every believer. When you make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, you are destined to be totally glorified. That's awesome. That's total salvation. So what's your destiny? Your destiny is not wrath. Your destiny is salvation, complete salvation. That's your destiny. So what he starts, he finishes. Amen? Now... Let me, let me just show this here something for a moment here because this will help us and understand what we're going to talk on this evening because in um, First Thessalonians they were facing tremendous persecution for receiving Jesus. You know, persecution is something we can't avoid. If you're going to walk with Jesus there will be people who won't like it. 
You will get criticism. And it depends where you live in the world. Persecution can be more severe where you live, okay? Um, sometimes it can be slagging. Sometimes it can just be, you know what, I'm people laughing at you or keeping you going. Like here, you know what, I, the most persecution really that I've got in my Christian walk, like it's just people, you know, verbally saying things to you, whatever that may be, you know, and work, working in places over the years. Holy Moses, here comes Holy Joe. You know what I mean? Just talking behind your back or stuff like that and just laughing at you, you know, making fun of you, making you out to be an absolute idiot. You know, that's the kind of stuff that we would face. Other people face it more severe, depending on the, the government that they live under and all of those kind of things. But you can't avoid persecution, okay? Um, look, look at them, 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, three and verse um, 10. Look what Paul said here. He says, But you have fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Look at this here persecutions and afflictions which came on to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. That's over in um, like the area of Galatia. Okay? And Paul said here, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, look at that there, the Lord delivered me. Amen? So God always has promised us a way of escape. Amen. So you may face things in life, but Paul never lost his joy in the process of it. Paul had so much character in his life. And you can see the qualities in the real thing. You know what? Fruit starts showing up in the life of, of a believer. And I'm telling you, when you're under pressure, that fruit, you know what I mean, starts being developed in our life outwardly. And people start seeing outwardly that we have something. Because we have Jesus in our lives. We wouldn't put up with a lot of the stuff that we put up with unless we had Jesus in our lives. The reason we put up in it is because we have something so secure in us. Amen? That we can go through things. And so Paul could go through a lot. But then he said, there Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being dece deceived. But continue thou in the things that you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom thou have learned them. So Paul's talking here about persecution and affliction that he endured. See, Paul faced it, okay? And um, actually, I overlooked the main verse I was meant to look at there in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12. That is, that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, okay? And that can vary. But um, darkness doesn't like light. And that's just the reality of it, okay? Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. So, um, but praise God, this isn't something like, you know, that we have to have no joy in our lives because we have got so much supply from God. Look, people went to their death in history singing the praises of God, counting it an honor to die because of their faith. Now, I believe there's deliverance. The Bible tells us there's deliverance. But there's people who went to their death. People burnt at the stake. Telling people about Jesus as they exited this planet. It's a testimony of the grace of God. Now, 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. Look what it says here. For our gospel came not unto you in word only but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you, knew, you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. 
For you became followers of us and of the Lord. In other words, they started following the pattern of Paul as Paul followed the Lord. He was an example of showing people how to follow the Lord. Look at that there. Heaven received the word and what? Much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. What a wonderful contradiction. Being pressed and full of joy. Pressed and full of the joy of the Lord. So this is how the gospel came to those in Thessalonica. Okay, it came when they received the gospel. Um, the Bible lets us know that they were pressed. People persecuted them. People came against them for receiving Jesus. Look in chapter 2. And it says uh, in verse 13, it says, For this cause also thank we God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of what? Men. But as in truth the word of God which effectually works in you that believe it. In other words, what Paul's saying is this word just doesn't work for us. This word will work for anybody. And it'll work in you if you believe it. It'll effectually work in you. And so they believed the word and it went to work in their life. Started transforming them and changing their lives. And it says, for you, brethren, became followers, look at this, of the churches of God which are in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. Thank God for models of how to follow God. You know, Paul was a model. There was other churches that they could look to and see how to follow God the way they were following God. And then, look what it's saying here. You became followers of the churches of God which are in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. For you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews. So the churches in Judea, the, you know, Jerusalem and things like that, there were those churches, they faced tremendous pressure from the Jewish people. These were Jewish people, many of them, that got saved. And then they faced pressure from their own countrymen. What Paul is saying is, you Thessalonians, you are saved and use your face and pressure from the people who live around you, from family, friends, work, people you maybe do business with. People are criticizing you. People are shunning you. People are backing off you because of, you know, what you've left, the traditions of whatever they were, their religions, their gods, all of those kind of things. And now you're following God. And what was it doing? It was causing persecution. Okay, so what I'm showing here is the Thessalonians, they knew what it was to face tribulation, okay? But they faced it and had joy. So they knew what that was like. Um, over in chapter chapter 3 of Thessalonians Paul was like you know thinking about them he loves them he wants to know how they're doing they're on his heart he knows they're under tremendous persecution he knows that they're young in the faith and Paul sent Timothy down to see how they were doing and actually Timothy came back to Paul with a great report that praise God these guys are serving the Lord yes they're facing pressure yes they're facing things but boy you want to go in there it's full of joy when you go in there these people are worshipping God, loving the things of God. And this is what it says in verse 3. It says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. Verily when I was with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it has come to pass as you know. So they were facing pressure, okay? It's something you just can't avoid. Because people have free will. 
And then a lot of people yield themselves to the devil as well. And so when you serve Jesus, the devil doesn't like it. It's not God that brings the persecution. Mark chapter 4 says persecution and affliction arises for the word's sake. It is to stop you from being effective. So when the pressure comes, you, feel, you start. what happens is many times people start blaming God. And God is not the one that brings it. Amen. But you can't avoid it is what it's saying. Here's, here's another thing as well, because Paul said here that, you know what, um, that you will face these things. You will face trials in life. You can't avoid trials. You can't avoid circumstances in life. But Paul's making a distinction, and what he is going to make a distinction is there is a distinction between facing pressure, okay, and then the great tribulation, okay? So as a believer, you can face pressure in life because Satan comes for the word sick. And he uses persecution and affliction as one of the things that he uses to upset Christians. The best thing you can do when pressure comes is just keep praising him and saying what the word of God says. Amen. Hold fast the confession of your faith. In other words, take a hold of God's word and do not let go. Okay. But we will not face the tribulation to come. Okay, that's different. That's a time period. So we won't face the tribulation, okay? We won't face the seals judgments, okay? The seal judgments. Not the, not those seals. <laughs> we won't face the seal judgments. We won't face the trumpet judgments. And we won't face the bowl judgments in the book of Revelations that we read about several weeks ago. We won't face any of that. And we won't face the second common wrath of Jesus Christ. We won't face any of that. Do you know why? We're not appointed onto that. Praise God. But these guys were facing persecution. They were facing trials. Then when you come into Second Thessalonians, okay, Paul starts talking to them again along these lines. Look what it says here, Second Thessalonians 1 verse 3. It says, where we are bound, bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet um, because that your faith grows exceedingly and that the charity of every one of you all towards each other abounds. So praise God, these are still growing. They're still growing in their faith. Amen. So that um, we also glory in you in the churches of God, that your patience and faith um, and all your persecutions and, uh, tri and tribulations that you endure. So Paul's saying we're praising God. You're facing things, but you're enduring. And that is the mark of maturity for a believer when you keep going under pressure. When you keep going when you don't feel like it. When you keep going when you face discouraging situations. When you just keep going, you become like the Duracell bunny. Amen. And it is, it's a mark of maturity. Look at verse 5. It says, Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which, look at that there, you also suffer. And then he says, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. So what's it saying here? They're facing pressure, okay? But God's saying... Or Paul's saying here, don't forget that one day God's going to sort everything out, okay? So if, you, if you're persecuted for serving Jesus, you just count it all joy, amen? You just keep serving God. 
You may feel like, I know I don't deserve that. That's a, that's a, that may be right, but you know what? Here's the reality of it. One day everything will be sorted out. This is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, yes, you are being persecuted, and it is not right. But you know what? Don't forget that God is a God of love, and God is a God of mercy and grace. But you know what? If people totally reject Jesus, they will face justice. Okay? So don't think that God has forgot about you and everything that you're... And if, you ever, if you're ever treated wrong in this life, don't think God doesn't see it. God sees everything. But God knows we're in, like, so to speak, in a war zone. We're in the world that Satan runs a system in this world. There isn't justice in this world. There is all of these kind of things. People many times will say, do you know what? This is God's world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the earth. The system in this world is not God's. When God gave the planet to Adam, he gave it perfect. There was a major car accident that happened in Genesis. And God in his love still kept loving man and made a way of redemption. It's not that God runs this system. This system is broke. There's a lot of injustice in this world. There's a lot of people get treated horribly in this world. There's people in prison today. Know what their crime is? Loving Jesus. Know what their crime is? Having a Bible. Does God see it? Absolutely. But for us, we keep looking on to him because one day he'll sort it all out. And it says here... um, uh, verse 6, it says, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. In other words, one day there will be a, a payback. Now, people don't have to receive that payback if, just like all of us, we receive salvation. Like you think of Paul. Paul persecuted the church. But he received salvation. And so, praise God, instead of getting judgment, Paul got mercy. Thank God for the mercy of God. You know, I'm a grace and faith teacher. But grace doesn't mean that God is soft on sin. That's not what it means. Jesus paid the price for our sin. Jesus took our punishment and God was just then in making us righteous because we received Jesus who paid the price for our sin. But God is also just in punishing people who don't receive the payment for sin because sin, the wages of it is what? Death. So sometimes people think that God, you know, just overlooks things. God doesn't overlook things. But in this time period, what is God doing to the world? He's extending grace and grace and grace. But if people reject grace, see in the tribulation, you're going to see that time period. It's going to be different. And you know by reading it that it's different than now. Um, and uh, and uh, the, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere here for, for, with this here, showing this here. Look in verse 7. It says... And to you which are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in, fl- in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that what? know not God. See, in the, in the second coming, Jesus is taking vengeance on them that know not God. 
And then look what it says here, and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you obey the gospel of Jesus? You believe it. That's what John said, the gospel of John. How you obey the gospel is you believe in Jesus, the one the Father sent. And when you receive Jesus, you receive salvation. Amen. And you're not appointed unto wrath. You'll never face any of this. And look at verse 9. Who shall punish? See, this is when Jesus comes in vengeance. It says, who will punish with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Look at that there. Everlasting destruction. He will what? Punish. Some people think that Jesus is a hippie. That Jesus wouldn't, you know what, he, he just walks around just, just loving people. He never, he never, you know, he, he never gets angry. No, he's not going to get angry with us. Do you know why? Because we are his brethren. We're not appointed under wrath. This is for people who keep rejecting God, keep rejecting God. God deals with them, they reject. They deals with them, they reject. They deal with them, they reject. And they reject salvation. In the tribulation period, there's going to be people who just reject, 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 to the point that they are blaspheming God. When you get to the end of the tribulation period, where people are hating God, and instead of repenting, they just keep blaspheming God. And... But thank God for all of the people who could save through the tribulation as well. But you know what? Here's, here's just something I want to bring out here because you will hear this, especially in grace circles. I don't mean like all grace circles. But there are grace circles where people have went to extremes, okay? They've went into universalism. Universalism means that, you know what? It doesn't matter why you receive Jesus or not. You'll still end up in heaven because even Satan one day is going to end up in heaven as well. That's universalism, okay? And the thinking behind it is Jesus died for all, so all are saved, okay? No, Jesus died for all, but you have to be reconciled. You have to receive Jesus. Then people say that hell doesn't exist. So you will hear people saying that there's no hell. You know what? Um, I can, remember, I can remember years ago being told about this great person who was, and the title it's called was a, a great communicator, okay? Preachers may communicate the gospel, but they're not communicators. They're anointed ministers of the gospel. I can remember being told about great communicators, and then these great communicators, see, they're all interested in their communication, it's not about your communication, it's about the Word. And I, I, I can remember um, a certain lead, top communicator, who then went down the line of, of teaching that there's no hell. There's no hell anymore. Hell closed down. Nobody told Paul. People, will people have told me that there is no hell because hell is the dump outside of Jerusalem that was always on fire. That's hell because Jesus referred to hell. No, Jesus shown things to give illustrations, but he said in hell, the worm dies not. 
Amen. He said that it was eternal. He said of the one with the one, um, or the talent, the one with the one talent, that he, he, didn't, he didn't make it to heaven, just like the five virgins didn't make it to heaven, or make it really us into the millennial kingdom there. The one with the one talent, he went to the place where it was the eternal weeping, gnashing of teeth. That's eternal. Paul talked here about eternal punishment. Revelations chapter 20 talks about after the great white throne, the lake of fire. And I'm telling you that lake of fire never goes out. It's eternal punishment separated from God forever. Sometimes we don't like to talk about these things, but the reality of it is, is we need to know these things. It keeps you sharp so that we keep telling people about Jesus. You can have everlasting presence with the Lord. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Or separated from the presence of the Lord forever. The security is Jesus. Amen. The security is Jesus. Now, let me look over in chapter 2 here of, of Thessalonians. which is one of the key chapters when you look at the rapture of the church. And the reason I went this background of showing all of this, there is going to be a day of vengeance, okay? Um, and there is going to be the day of vengeance when Jesus comes back. There is going to be the wrath of God even during the tribulation period, okay? Um, they were facing tribulation. They were facing pressure, the Thessalonians. But they weren't in the tribulation period, which is what people started to say, okay? So look here in um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus, and by our what? gathering to gather unto him. What's that? What's to gather and to gather unto him? That is the rapture of the church, to where we are gathered together, we're caught up to meet him in the earth. And it says in verse Two, it says that you be not, look at this here, soon shaken in mind, nor troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us. Look at that there, that the day of Christ is at hand. Okay? Now, when you break that down, when it says be not soon shaken, it's letting you know that, you see, from 1 Thessalonians to 2 Thessalonians, it was a short, short space of time. We don't know how short, but it was short. And they were facing pressure, okay? But people then started to tell them that you are in the tribulation and not the rapture. You've missed the rapture. And now the second coming is at hand whenever Jesus is coming in vengeance, okay? And that's why he's saying, don't be soon what? Shaken. You see, if you don't know the word, you'll be shaken. That's why I talked about you need that breastplate on. You need that helmet of salvation. Why? Because it protects you as a believer. You don't need the rug pulled out from under you to where you're as a believer. And then it says, soon shaken in mind. Where does the devil go for? He goes for your thoughts. And that's why we're to take every thought well, captive back to the obedience of Christ. And then it says that you be not troubled. 
What did Jesus say before he talked about, I go to prepare a place for you? He says, let not your heart be what? Troubled. Don't be afraid. See, as a believer, we don't live in fear. We live by faith. And look what it's saying here. It says, don't be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. Okay? Do you know what, do you know what was happening? People started prophesying in church. The vengeance of God is upon us. That's prophecy. That's by spirit. That's somebody saying, I have a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Let me tell you, anybody says, thus saith the Lord, and puts us in the tribulation. That's not from the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's not from the Lord. Or, Paul said, or either by word. So people then were teaching that all of this pressure, it's actually, we're in the tribulation period now. Brace yourselves. Get your dry food pack. Get your generator. Build your bunker. Because we're going through the tribulation. Doesn't matter how hard you preach it. And how forceful you preach it. It's not right. And then what people were doing was they were forging letters. And saying, giving an epistle and saying, Paul wrote this. This was extra revelation that Paul got. See when somebody tells you, I have a revelation that nobody else has. Put it over their head, Ichabod. Nobody's getting special revelation apart from the scriptures. We have the scriptures. Anytime people play games like that, I hate spiritual games. I hate when people control people through thus saith the Lord and spiritual manipulation. I absolutely hate it. It is witchcraft. Because witchcraft is controlling people. So it's saying here that people were saying this and they were saying that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, when it talks about the day of Christ is at hand here, when it talks about at hand, it is talking about that it's near or it's present, okay? Or it's at the door. And what they're basically saying is the vengeance of God, the wrath of God, this period of wrath in the tribulation period and the second coming when Jesus comes in vengeance and that two-edged sword is going to go out of his mouth and he's going to destroy all the armies that amount with Antichrist and the blood is going to flow to the horse's bridle. That is upon us. That's what we are in. We're in tribulation. Batten down the hatchet. Okay, that's what they're saying. They're, they're telling me well, the rapture, we've missed it. We're in the tribulation. Let's go through. Okay? Now, when it says the day of the Lord has come, okay? I've spent a lot of time looking at this this last while because um, the day, there's two different days. There's three main ones, but I'll bring out two. The day of Christ and the day of the Lord, okay? The day of the Lord is the second coming, okay? The day of Christ is actually the rapture of the church, okay? Every... Bible teacher that I have looked up, and believe me, I have spent weeks and weeks, hours and hours. I have listened and read so many things. I've listened to 
people teaching on end times who teach on it in all circles. My circle that I'm used to running in, outside my circle, okay? I've listened. Every single one of them say that the, the Greek here is the day of the Lord, okay? Um, every one of them, okay? Not one or a few, every one of them that I have I've listened to. The New American Standard Version, I've looked at Bible translations this last while, weeks and weeks looking at different things. The New American Standard Version um, is considered by most people who look at Bibles that are translated and who teach in Bible schools and who are Bible teachers. The New American Standard Version is considered the most accurate word-for-word Bible translation that there is in the English language. You can research that yourself and, you, and you'll see that. I have listened and read and looked at so many things. And the New American Standard Version, it says, you can put it up there, it says that you may not be quickly shaken from your um, composure or be disturbed either by spirit or message or by letter um, as if from us um, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now let me look at just a couple other translations here. Let's put up there, you'll see. There's a, the NIV says that the day of the Lord has come. The New Living Translation, that's a good translation of the Bible as well. It says that the day of the Lord has already what? begun. The Amplified Bible says that the day of the Lord has already come. And so anyone I've listened to and I've studied myself. Anyone I've ever sat under all say that they're talking about the day of the Lord. Okay? They believe that the, they've missed the rapture. People have told them that the rapture has passed. And that now brace yourselves for the second coming. And what Paul is going to let them know is, no, that is not where you're at. Amen? Don't fall for any of that. Didn't I tell you when I was with you? Amen? Um, and, and another thing just to say on this as well is Paul taught a pre-tribulation rapture because they were shaken. Now, if Paul was teaching, you just are going to go through all of this, they wouldn't be shaken. They would be getting ready for it. But someone was able to convince them now they're in the middle of the tribulation and they're shaken. And Paul is letting them know you don't need to be shaken. We're not appointed unto wrath. That's why I went through all of those things. That is not what we are appointed unto. Amen. Now, let me look in verse 3 here for a second. It says, Let no man deceive you by any means. It says, For that day, that's the day of the Lord, shall not come except there come a while, a falling away first. Okay. And then that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who's the man of sin, the son of perdition? That's the Antichrist, okay? So what Paul is showing here, he's letting them know that the day of the Lord can come unless something happens first, okay? There has to be two things happen. Number one, a falling away, okay? Number two, the Antichrist has to be revealed, so they had no need to be thinking that they were in the tribulation. Why? Because the Antichrist wasn't even revealed. Okay? I just want to bring out this point on the falling away here for a bit this evening. And we'll come back to this. And just look at another couple of things on the rapture where, um, before we wrap everything up on the rapture. But you know what? This is the thing here, okay? The falling away. You hear this being taught a lot at the minute. 
And personally, I'm going to just tell you right from word go, I don't go with what a lot of people teach on the falling away. I don't believe there's going to be this mass exodus um, in Christianity and uh, we're going out of here in B-flat. Okay? I don't believe that the church is going out on a life support machine. I do not believe that at all. Okay? But it's one of the meanings for a, a, a falling away. One of the meanings, uh, you know, for it is, it, the actual Greek word is apostasia. Okay? And so you talk about apostasy, you talk about, you know, a defaction and all of those kind of things. You talk about a separation. The, the word, um, it's talking about uh, to depart, okay? So there is that, you know, defaction, there is that um, departing, all of those kind of things. Um, and that is a meaning of it. Also, the root meaning of this, it means to depart, okay? Along with desist and other meanings around that. But one of the, the, the main uh, meanings of the word apostasy is to depart, okay? Now, I do believe that there are people who are, um, when you talk about apostasy, apostasy are, are people who are not the real thing, okay? They are the wheat among the tares, okay? They are the fruitless trees. They are people who are not the real deal. Okay, and there are people who can hang around Christianity and they are not the real deal for whatever make, shape or form that may be, okay? But then there's people who are wolves as well. And they are not saved. They're not sheep. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, okay? So you can have that. But you know what? The, the word it means to depart. I'm not going to read these, but I wanted just to, to get a visual of this. Just put these up. Look at all of them scriptures there with the word for, um, the root word for apostasy, okay? Depart. Look. Depart. Depart. Drew away. Depart. Depart. Let me just move to the next one. I think there's more there. Um, yeah. Depart. Depart. You can see depart, 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 depart. Apostasy is talking about depart, okay? Now, it says a falling away. The a can also mean the, okay? Because it is a definite article, okay? It's talking about a, a definite thing, okay? There is a definite departure, okay? Or there is a definite falling away, okay? Now, look, look here just for one second, just to show this first, and I'm going to um, wind down here, but look. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, look at that word, some shall depart from the faith. So there is people who are always leaving, okay? It's always been that way. There's always been people who have come and gone. Every century, there's been people who have come and gone from church, okay? But I love what it says there, some shall depart. I may know some shall depart, but there's going to be an awful lot of people who don't. Amen. And if you look in, in Timothy, you can look at it from the angle of the people who depart. But Paul's also teaching Timothy how to be effective. That's what he's teaching him. So there's going to be people in every generation that are not as unfair for God as they should be. And then there's always going to be people who come in, they're not the real thing. And they come in to upset the apple cart. They're not the real believer, okay? They're the people that are not saved. They're, they're the tares among the wheat, okay? That has been in every generation. You look at throughout history. There's always been people that leave. But I don't have a mindset of that because 
if you start living your life that you know what there's going to be a fall away that's that's what you're believing for you're believing to go out on a a life support machine I'm believing to live my days for Jesus all the days of my life and be effective I'm staying on fire for Jesus Amen. amen now um the Bible talks about people, if you keep reading her, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. That was happening in Paul's day as well. Paul said there, look what it says, This know thou that they which are in Asia turned away from me, of whom is um, um, Philetus and Hermogenes. There's always people who weren't the real deal. Do you know Paul had people turn away from him? But Paul kept going. Okay. Look in John. 1 John chapter 2, John's talking about, you know, people that were anti-Christ. They were anti-Christ, but they weren't the anti-Christ, okay? But John said here, you can look at that verse 18 through 20, but look at verse 20, it says, They went out from us because they were not, what? Off us. For if they had been off us, no no doubt they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifest that they were not all off us. There's always going to be tares among the wheat. But you see, here was the thing about John. John just taught the word. And you see, if you teach the word, false won't like it. And what they do is they leave. Okay? The false will leave. Okay? Now, this is all of the Bibles before the King James. Okay? All the English Bibles before the King James. Where the King James says, I've fallen away. Look what every other one said. Departure, what? First. Every single one of them translated it as, as what? Departure. Let me just say this here in closing this evening. I believe the falling away is the departure. The departure is what? It's verse 1. Our gathering together unto Him. Amen. The departure is the rapture of the church. What Paul was saying is, the second coming, the day of vengeance, the Antichrist, and all of those kind of things cannot happen unless the departure happens first. What is the departure? I don't believe that the church is going out in a life support machine. I believe this is talking about the church being raptured out of this planet. Because the day of the Lord can't come unless, first of all, the rapture happens first. Amen. I'm going to throw that out there. The Bible says, prove all things. And hold fast to the things that are, that are true. Um, if you look in the Amplified Bible, one of the, um, the meanings for this in the Amplified, they have it down as keynote, or note C. In the Amplified Bible, they have it down that this could be a, a possible meaning of this is the rapture of the church. Praise God for the departure of the church. When you go to the airport, you go to where? The departure lounge. When NASA takes off with a rocket, it departs from here and it goes to another location. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes back, we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. And we're going to depart from here. Amen. And we're going to be with him. Praise God. What a blessing. Amen. So we'll we'll, um, look at another couple of things the next time we are together. Amen.